You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Right, my name is Matt. It's wonderful to see so many new faces today. It's great to have you with us. I'm continuing a sermon series that we are currently looking at at the moment. It is based on the book of James in the New Testament. If you want to read along, please do. If you've got a Bible with you or you've got a Bible app on your phone, if you would like to read along and you haven't got either of those things in the little zippy bag on the tables, there are also Bibles there that you can use as well. So I'm looking in the book of James this morning and the sermon series itself is called Faith That Works and I am going to be speaking today, starting to look at James chapter 3, looking at true versus false wisdom. True versus false wisdom. So starting chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. All right, so we're looking at wisdom today. True wisdom versus false wisdom. So let's understand first of all, what is wisdom? What is it that we're talking about? Because the Bible tells us that wisdom is important. I really had to work hard at narrowing down a few examples because it's everywhere if you have a look. Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. That's how valuable wisdom is. Proverbs 3.13, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. You are blessed if you have wisdom. Psalm 37, verse 30, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. And in today's passage, James 3, 13 says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And if we look in the Bible, there are whole books devoted to the topic of wisdom. At the moment, some of us are on a Friday night on Zoom looking at the book of Proverbs. 
And that's all about wisdom. And indeed, it forms part of what the Bible calls wisdom literature. Proverbs is one of them. You also have Job and you have Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. You've also got James as kind of like a New Testament version of wisdom literature as well. So it's not just lim sorry, oops. It's not just limited to those books. You do find wisdom mentioned throughout the Bible. And wisdom is a gift from God that he gives to those who follow him and are obedient to his ways. So what is it? What is wisdom? I think it's important for us to understand, first of all, that wisdom is not the same as intellectual knowledge. Okay? In fact, you can get some extremely intelligent people who are completely lacking in wisdom. All right? That's, that's a fact. Having one doesn't necessarily mean you've also got the other. So what is wisdom? N.T. Wright, um, a really well-respected theologian, helps to define it like this. He says, wisdom isn't a matter of knowing a large number of facts, nor is it a particular skill in negotiating or managing or leadership or academic scholarship. It is much deeper than any of these. It is as James describes, which is what we've just read today, as holy, peaceful, gentle, compliant, filled with mercy and good fruits, unbiased and sincere. And that's, what, that's what wisdom is. Hmm. Don't worry, I'll explain a bit more. Indeed, at the start of this letter, James encourages all Christians to ask for wisdom. If you haven't read James, flick back to the beginning and you, you can see in chapter one, it says, ask for wisdom and God will give it to us generously. Now, I've just been away on a big family holiday. And one of the things that features quite a lot is board games. Are there any board game players out there? Any kind of board game? Yeah, a few of us. Okay, some of us are just bored by the board games. <laughs> but board games, all right? And often these days, especially the more modern kind of board games, they come with things called expansion packs. And usually, you find you start off with the basic board game and you play it and you think, yeah, this is actually really quite fun and you're playing it a lot, but you've played it so much that it either gets a bit predictable or the board game maybe starts getting a little bit boring. So you think, well, how can I, you know, make it more interesting again? There's an expansion pack. Hey, you can buy a little add-on which gives you some extra cards or an extra bad guy or something that then helps the game to develop and grow and make it more interesting, okay? Now, please don't think that wisdom is an expansion pack to our faith, okay? 
Wisdom is not an added extra that we can just kind of tack on at a later date. Once we've kind of got a handle on, you know, oh, what's this Christian thing about? Oh, you know, how do I, let let me get used to being a Christian first. Okay, and later I'll add in a bit of wisdom. It doesn't work like that. Wisdom is an integral part to what being a Christian, to what being a Jesus follower is all about. In fact, if we remove wisdom from the equation, it's just like removing a key component from a board game. It doesn't work. It all collapses. You may as well throw that board game in the bin because you cannot play it. What does wisdom look like? Well, it's a slightly strange one. (laughs) Because wisdom very often looks a little bit upside down. God's wisdom anyway. Jesus tells us that we are blessed Or in other words, we are made holy or fully satisfied or receiving God's favor regardless of the circumstances. We are blessed when we are poor. We are blessed when we are mourning. We are blessed when we are meek and humble. We are blessed when we are hungry for righteousness. We are blessed when we show mercy. We are blessed when we are pure in heart. We are blessed when we are peacemakers. Here's one for you. We are blessed when we are persecuted. We are blessed when we are insulted. When we are falsely accused when nasty horrible evil things are said about us because of Jesus that's when we are blessed some of that sounds a bit backwards doesn't it but have a look at Matthew chapter 5 for yourself it's it's there so these words of wisdom from Jesus yet They seem to be the opposite of what we are told we should be pursuing in life by the culture around us. What does the culture around us say? It says, do whatever you can to make as much money as you can. Look out for number one. Doesn't matter who's in your way. If you have money, you'll be happy. Don't be sad. Don't cry. Real men don't cry. Heard that one, haven't we? Showing emotions is a sign of weakness, they say. Don't talk about death, please. Don't show your weaknesses, only show your strengths. Oh yeah, big yourself up. Yeah, you're the greatest. You are the best. You are amazing. You deserve everything good in life. Why? Because you are worth it. Because it's all about you. 
It's not about anyone else. Be hungry to always be right. You're never wrong. Because making mistakes is bad and means that you're worthless. You always have to be the winner. You always have to be the best at everything. Always. Anything less is rubbish. You are rubbish if you're not perfect all the time. Show no mercy. Take what you want when you want. It's your right. If it feels right, it must be right. Don't let anyone disagree with you. If they do, tear them down. Because you are always right, aren't you? If someone attacks you, fight back. Better still, attack is the best defense. So attack first and ask questions later. If someone insults you or thinks differently to you, cancel them. Be mean to them. Don't speak to them. Unfriend them on your social media. Avoid them. Walk on the other side of the street when you see them. Cut off all contact from them. And even better, why don't you start saying nasty things about them to other people behind their back? I'm sure we've all heard some of these messages before in the culture that surrounds us. Some of it's very obvious. Some of it's suggested. Some of it's played out. Hopefully, you can see how opposite this way of thinking is to the way Jesus asks us to live in Matthew chapter 5 that I read a few minutes ago. You see, we're in an upside-down kingdom. Or rather, Jesus is turning things that are already upside-down the right way up again. But it can get tricky because sometimes it's not so black and white. Hopefully, as I was reading out those lists of qualities and things that our Western culture tells us about how to live, there was some, something within you was saying, oh, no, that, that's not right. That isn't how it should be. It shouldn't be like that, really. Hopefully. But what about things that seem to be good? What about those things? You see, there are some things that seem to be good. They seem to be beneficial, maybe even full of love. They might show concern for others. They might seem unselfish, at least on first appearance. Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And it's a little bit about temptation when sin entered the world. Eve was tempted by the serpent. This is Genesis 3, verse 6. Eve was tempted by the serpent to eat the fruit that God had forbidden them to eat. And this is what it says. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasurable to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Now notice that the tree was good 
for food. It wasn't a bad, horrible, ugly tree. It was good. It looked pleasurable. It was desirable. Now all these virtues are good. And it kind of made sense to Eve. Let's be honest, it will probably look good and have made sense to any one of us. But it was not God. It wasn't what God had said was his best. And the disobedience of both Adam and Eve brought about humanity's fall and altered creation's relationship with God on a cosmic scale because of their sin. So wisdom is also knowing the difference between what appears to be something that seems good but is actually not God. Let's have a look at Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9. Clive's already made reference to this this morning. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Earlier on, Verity helped us see the importance of finding the source. When she was looking at fake news and deciding, you know, what was this fake or was this true? And it came down to trying to find the source of that story to help us decide whether it was true or false. And the same thing is true when it comes to wisdom. Finding the source of this wisdom will help us to know if this is a God thing or maybe it's just a good thing. It might, it might be obvious that it's a rubbish thing. That makes it a bit easier when it's that way around. But you see, as Christians, our source is the Bible. It's the foundation of our faith. We need to ensure that what we allow ourselves to believe lines up with the word of God. And in this way, we can begin to sort out the fake news from the real news. The seemingly good things from the God things. But we also need to ask God for wisdom and understanding when it comes to reading the Bible. First of all, and this may sound obvious, so forgive me if it does, but I think it's so important. The first thing we need to do is to actually read the Bible. Actually read it. Yeah? You might have one on your shelf. You might have seven on your shelf in various different translations or one that you can color in and one that's wherever else. Great. But actually read the Bible. I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. There are some times when I get too busy or whatever and, you know, it kind of falls off the priority list. It shouldn't. It's so important. We are so blessed 
to be able to read the Bible. We're allowed to read it, first of all. There's some countries where you take your life into your hands. Hundreds of years ago, there were no Bibles in English. You had to rely on someone else reading it in church, and even then it was in Latin, and you may not even understand what that's all about. We are so blessed to have the Bible these days in language that we can understand. Now, yeah, there are some parts that can be difficult to understand. There are parts of the Bible that theologians even today still debate about and don't quite agree on what it means. But there are lots of parts that you can understand and are very clear and straightforward. Please read the Bible as a whole, yeah? The whole thing. Don't just cherry pick the verses and bits of it that you agree with and leave out the bits that you don't. Or just read the one or two books that you really rather quite like and then ignore the others that you don't. Read the whole thing. Read things in context. That means know a little bit about what's going on. Because these books are written, divinely inspired by God, but written by humans. Okay? And there's different types of writing. Did you know a, a Bible is actually a library? Yeah? It's a library. It contains many different books written by many different people in a variety of different languages that we've had translated nicely for us. Okay? And written in different ways. There's poetry in there. There's letters in there, like if I wrote a letter to a friend overseas, or like a missionary, I'd write a letter, yeah? There's songs, there's history, there's prophecy. There's a thing that we don't quite, we, we don't have an example in English called oh, apocalyptic literature which uses all sorts of metaphor and picture language. And because we don't quite have an example of it in English, we find it a bit difficult to deal with. There's all these types of writing. So it's good to try and understand what's going on. Is this being written to a person? Or is this being written to every Christian? Or is this being, you know, so we can actually start to understand what's being said a bit better. Please also be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to teach you. When I was a young Christian at university, one of the things that stuck with me all this time is the chap who led our church said, when you're a Christian, you need to be fat. And I think I'm doing quite a good job. But you need to be fat. You need to be F. You need to be faithful. You need to be available. And you need to be teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. And if you keep those three things, you will grow as a Christian. So be teachable. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you stuff. Also, allow other people to teach you things as well. Now, this wisdom, where does it come from? Well, today's passage is actually asking us to examine ourselves. It's saying, do, you have, do we have bitterness within us? 
Has someone upset us so much that we are angry or we hold a grudge against them? Are we being motivated by selfishness or by ambition? Are we being envious of someone else's gift or ministry or lifestyle? And we've already established in previous sermons, James is speaking to Christians here. And I believe here he's, he's addressing inter-church relationships. So the question is, does any of this apply to us? Because these are church unity issues. And if any of these things do apply to us, well, we need to address them. As James says, the thinking that goes along with these deeper motivations isn't wisdom at all. Because if we are acting out of envy or selfishness or ambition or someone's hurt us, so, you know, uh, making decisions with that going on underneath isn't real wisdom. They'll bring disorder and disunity. Because we're told that the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. So when we ask for wisdom in any situation, let's make sure it lines up with these virtues. And this is how we know that wisdom is genuine. Now, doesn't that list remind you of something else in the Bible? It reminds me of something in Galatians, where we're told the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking and envying oh there is again envying each other just notice though that in that section the fruit of the spirit is a singular word it's not fruits okay it's not a collection or or a basket of different things it's one single thing it's the fruit of the spirit one fruit that contains these many different aspects ultimately the spirit produces these fruits these virtues this fruit within us we need to keep in step with the Spirit. And as we do, His fruit will grow and mature in our lives. If we have the Spirit within us, we also have all of these things. Because they come as part of the package. Because they are who He is. They are what He does. We don't need to conjure them up by our own effort. Now, applying this to our passage today, this also means that if wisdom 
is part of the package of what it means to be a Christian, we already have access to it. There's no exam to pass. All we need to do is ask God for wisdom and he will gladly give it to us because he knows that we really do need it. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to have this wisdom. In the rest of the series, we are going to be looking at other things that James is looking at. In previous sermons we've already looked at recently, we've looked at our words and how we should control our tongues. We should be careful of what we say. We've looked at having genuine faith where we have to do what God tells us to do. Yeah? And we've got other challenging messages coming up as well based on this. But all of it, all of it comes round. It comes back to the Holy Spirit. It comes back to Jesus. How do we live in wisdom? How do we know what wisdom is? We ask God to give it to us and he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just pray as we close. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Forgive us for the times when we've been selfish, for the times when we've envied someone else's ministry or gift. Forgive us, Lord, for... Yeah, believing some of those things that the world has been constantly telling us and that it's not of you. Jesus, give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, give us your wisdom. Help us to know your ways. And give us the courage to actually walk in them. Thank you, God, that you don't bring out your, your big stick and try and whack us and hit us into compliance. Thank you that you actually give us the ability to do the things you are asking us to do. Thank you that you empower us through your spirit. So I just ask, Lord, that you give us a fresh anointing of your spirit today in this place. Holy Spirit, may you come and fill us again because we can't do it without you. Fill us, Lord.